0: Welcome back, welcome back. Part of my frustration, the podcast. I am your host, Dan Stickner. Took the week off, but now I'm back. I'm ready to go. Got a couple announcements right off the bat. First of all, if you haven't already, please give me a five-star review. Leave me a review if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts. If you listen to this on Spotify, I have no idea how to use that. So I can't help you with that, but tune in, share it, get your friends to listen. Anybody you think this could help out, that would be amazing. Uh, just a quick announcement, I'm really excited to announce that I will be launching my own website, hopefully within the next week or two, coachdanperformance.com. Uh, I've been working really hard on this. Uh, it's going to be just a kind of great spot that's going to have all the content that I will have to offer uh, talk a lot about what I do, and then um different ways that you can possibly even work with me or train with me. um I have a whole featured athlete section, so you're gonna see all the different athletes that I've worked with in the past or in the present, or you know it's just gonna be a great I'm really excited for it, and I'm looking forward to launching that website so you guys can take a look at what I've been working on so. Today's topic: We're gonna get into why I'm frustrated with sport coaches. You know, what do sport coaches do that frustrate me the most? When I say sport coaches, I mean like you know the head football coach, the head basketball coach, the head soccer coach, uh, whatever the case is. I get frustrated when these sports coach, these sport coaches try to play strength and conditioning coach as well as the head coach for the specific sport. I think that's not a good scenario, that's not a good setup, and it's even unfair to the athletes or the players that are on the team. Now listen, I went to school for exercise and sports science. I studied this, I do this on a day in and day out basis. I've dedicated most, the majority of my life to this field and i am confident in saying that if you are a head coach that i'm hoping you've done the same thing to developing your players within that specific sport so if you're a head football coach you're 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 developing the nuance you're you're understanding the nuances of the game you're understanding different packages and plays and defenses and things like that There's a lot of time that goes into things like that. So if you're spending a lot of your time there, like you should be as the head coach of a program, then it's going to be very difficult for you to also play the role of strength and conditioning coach because there's a lot of things that you need to be aware of as the strength and conditioning coach for a team. Look, you're you're not going to be able to fully apply yourself to all areas. And that's just going to be, in the end, unfair to the players. It's unfair to the athletes. Just because here's another one. Just because you are a former athlete yourself does not mean you understand training. It does not mean that you understand what's best. Just because of whatever you did in your career doesn't mean that you just implement that to your team or your organization and it's going to be and it's going to work for them. That's not the case. So sport coaches, please please stop trying to play the role of strength and conditioning coach when you already have a lot on your plate as a coach. I'm not saying this to be disrespectful to you or to, to question your what you think is best for your kids or your athletes, but what I'm saying is there's a better way. Right? My advice to you would be find a strength and conditioning coach that you can trust. Right? Find a coach that you can trust, that you can sit down, that you can talk with, That you, what you're looking for to get out of it for your team, for your athletes, and hire them. And then that's off your plate. You don't have to worry about that aspect of things. All you have to worry about is instilling game plans, instilling strategies and things like that for the upcoming season or what have you. You won't have to worry about controlling all aspects. It's not an easy thing to do. Now, the real reason why I'm here for this podcast today, for this podcast this week, and it kind of goes in line with this. I get a lot of this, and this is directed towards soccer players. I work with a lot of soccer players, and there's there's a, I, it's this common occurrence. It happens all the time, or I hear it all the time, or I deal with it all the time with the, the athletes that I work with, and the athlete's parents or the athlete's coaches. Soccer players and long-distance runs. Nothing bothers me more than that. Now, before I really dive into this, let me be clear. I do think it's important to develop an aerobic base or an aerobic foundation. So what I mean by that is I am not telling you that Going out and running miles or two miles or doing that is not important. But when it becomes a problem is it is when that's your main focus. And that's your primary form of training. And then come to me at the same time and say I want to get faster. It's very hard to develop the two simultaneously. Especially when your, your main focus is a long distance slow and steady pace because your coach wants you to run two miles in X amount of time. Parents and coaches, they come to me all the time. Hey, I need my players to get faster or I need my kid to get faster. Alright, my kids are forward, you know, in soccer and they gotta get faster. Get they gotta be first to the ball. Meanwhile, their main form of training is they're running two miles every practice, right? They're running a mile on their own every day. Now look, there's a huge difference between speed training and aerobic conditioning, okay? This is not a scientific podcast, nor do I want this to become a scientific podcast because I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast currently are athletes and they're not gonna care about the real science behind a lot of it, but let me go there a little bit and I'm gonna keep it as simple as I can, okay? First and foremost, you have two different types of muscle fibers, all right? There's 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 more than that, and, and it gets deeper than this, but just to keep it real simple, you have fast twitch, and you have slow twitch. Now, the best examples I can give is your fast twitch muscle fibers are your sprinters, all right? So think of your, your 100-meter sprinters, okay? Think of um, uh, Shikari Richardson right who should be running in the olympics it's a shame that she's not think of that as your fast twitch muscle fibers real twitchy real quick right your slow twitch mu- ma- uh your slow twitch muscle fibers are your marathon runners okay now everybody has a different um a different mixture of both Okay, so some people are going to be more dominant in their fast-twitch fibers. Some people are going to be more dominant in their slow-twitch fibers. Some people are going to be a little more even in both, all right? And some people are meant to be fast-twitch and only fast-twitch, and some people are meant to be slow-twitch and only slow-twitch. Now, can you train someone with slow-twitch muscle fibers to become faster? Of course you can. But my point is, if you are predominantly a slow-twitch person, is there's a certain extent to how much faster you can get. You're not going to be a predominantly slow-twitch person and then break Usain Bolt's record in the 100-meter dash. It's not going to happen. And you're not going to be a predominantly fast-twitch person and then break the world record in the marathon time. All right, so that's first and foremost. So you are fast-twitch and you are slow-twitch. When you're out here running your miles, when you're running your two miles, this is slow and steady pace you're predominantly training your slow twitch muscle fibers. If you are a predominantly fast twitch person and you're consistently running these two miles, these two miles or these long duration slow and steady runs, it is not helping you get faster as a player or more explosive as a player. Actually, in in some times, it's doing the exact opposite. It's slowing you down especially when it's your primary focus of training for a long period of time. All right, and then get a little bit deeper than that. We have we have different energy systems as well as, as people, as beings, as athletes. We have different energy systems. The three energy systems is your anaerobic ATP energy system, your glycolytic anaerobic energy system, right, and your oxidative aerobic energy system. Okay, and these different energy systems work on different time frames. So your ATP, your immediate energy system, is for your high intensity short bursts. This lasts anywhere between zero and ten seconds, give or take. All right? Some might be able to hold it a little longer. Some might be a little less. It's different per person. Your glycolytic energy systems, more of your short term. Uh, let's say roughly ten to sixty seconds. Right? So. It's a little bit longer, but it's still anaerobic, which means you're still a little bit more so of your fast twitch muscle fibers. You're not using oxygen primarily yet. And then you get into your oxidative aerobic, which is long term, which is about a minute to two minutes and up. So it's really your long duration. So with that being said, when you are running these miles, when you're running these two miles, these long duration runs, you're training primarily your oxidative aerobic energy system. Now, that's why I said this earlier. That's important. You need that. You want that to be in tip-top shape. But if your primary mode of training is these two-mile runs, these long runs, and this is what you're so damn focused on, you're not training and you're not helping your immediate energy system, your ATP energy system, your high-intensity short bursts. So, therefore, you're not becoming faster in that sense. Now, all energy systems are working at all times, but depending on what you're doing is going to determine which one is the primary source of energy, right? So as soon as I start an all-out sprint, my oxidative my glycolytic systems are on but my primary source within those first 10 seconds is my anaerobic my atp my immediate energy system these are the, these are the system this is the system that uses your fast twitch muscle fibers this system and these fast twitch fibers are going to determine who's first to the ball who's going to explode to the ball. Your oxidative system, your aerobic system is going to determine how well are you able to manage an entire game playing a 90-minute soccer game, which is why I say that's important. But if you're training to get faster and your goal is to get faster as an athlete or faster as a soccer player, then your primary mode of training is not going to be Your long duration runs, your long term runs, because it's not going to be in line with your goal of becoming faster or becoming more explosive. We want to be able to have that base. We want to be able to have that foundation, but we want to be able to also train in the right mode in order to give you the goals that you want. Right. So quite simply, how how do you get faster then? right? How do you train that system? Well, being in the weight room is definitely key because we want to be strong. We want to be undergoing the proper programming and the right lifts that are in line with those goals. Focusing on your sprints, right? So let's think about this this, this immediate energy system, that's 0 to 10 seconds. So if you're going to a track, instead of going slow and steady for eight laps around a track to give yourself two miles and then see how long did you get that two miles, Let's get some quick bursts of a sprint, right? Let's get a quick burst. Let's get a 10-second all-out sprint. And then you're going to walk the track. And then hit it again on the next lap around. 10 seconds all out. Give me everything you got. And then walk the track. So different things like that or different modes like that help train that energy system which can help us become faster as an athlete, which can really prime and get these fast twitch muscle fibers really firing and working the way we want them to, right? Or go to a sport performance coach, coach, focus on getting your mechanics right, understanding how to properly run. With all the sports that I've trained through my career, The two sports, in my opinion, that come up as athletes with the worst running mechanics or the most inefficient running mechanics is soccer and basketball. That's just off the top of my head. I didn't really put much thought into that, but off the top of my head, soccer athletes and basketball athletes, for whatever reason, in terms of sprint mechanics and running mechanics, have some of the worst mechanics that I've seen. And sometimes all it takes is correcting and fixing little different things within these mechanics, and that alone is going to help us become faster as a soccer athlete, faster as a basketball athlete, right? So let's make sure we're focusing on the right things, okay? And soccer players, please, please stop doing these two-mile runs or, you know, the beep test or all these different things As your primary modes of training, there's much more that you can do to give you much more return on investment to help you become better on the soccer field, help you become more efficient of an athlete on the soccer field. So I hope this helps. I hope this shines a little light or at least sparks some questions. If you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to me, contact me on Instagram. My Instagram is coachds_cscs underscore And like I said, within the next week or two, I'm hoping to launch my website, coachdanperformance.com. And you can also contact me through there. Hope everyone has a good week. I will talk to you next time.